Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. After another really ugly stretch of baseball, it's time to really reevaluate this Yankees team. On this episode, we're going to break down the team's most recent series against the Minnesota Twins and Philadelphia Phillies and debate whether or not changes need to be made in the Bronx. Well, let's get right into it on this brand new episode of the Pinstripe Talk podcast, which begins right now. You are listening to the Pinstripe Talk podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Pinstripe Talk podcast, powered to you by Delahanty Media. I'm your host, Nick Delahanty. It has been ugly as of late, and I know we did not have a show after the Twin Series, but it's that point where we're going to give you a special episode. We're going to give you two series broken down into one episode. Yes, it has been ugly in Yankee land. We all know the inconsistency of this Yankee team. First and foremost, started the year at 5-10. and 10. And at that point, I think a lot of us were starting to panic like, oh boy, what is going on with this team? Then they got hot, going over a 23-9 and nine stretch. And right there, the Yankees are back over 500. And you're sitting there saying, okay, this is the team that we expected. However, the recent trend has been more like the start of the season. The Yankees are currently 5-13 and 13 in their last 18 games. After sweeping the White Sox back on May 23rd, remember we talked about how big that series was. At that point, the Yankees had the third best record in the American League. Now, after this 5-13 and 13 stretch, there's only two teams in the big leagues that have a worse record in that span. The Arizona Diamondbacks at 2-16, 
and the Texas Rangers at 3-14. and 14. It has not been pretty for the New York Yankees, currently sitting at 33-32, and 32, eight and a half games out of first place. Yes, let me repeat that. Eight and a half games out of first place. Very, very ugly. Yankees end up winning the series against the Twins, and the Twins are a complete dumpster fire this year. The end of that series did not sit well at all either. And then the Yankees go into Philadelphia this past weekend. And of course, we're going to get into it, but, you know, it was a very disappointing series. So we have a lot to talk about today. The two series as a whole. What the Yankees' outlook should be heading closer to the trade deadline. Is Aaron Boone's job safe? And a lot more. Before we get into it, a reminder, follow us on social media at PinstripeTalkND. My personal account at Nick Delahanty and on Facebook by searching up Pinstripe Talk Podcast. Our show, available on all podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. You name it, the show is there available for you. Whatever podcasting platform you're listening on, make sure you hit that subscribe button, rate, and review the show as well. All your feedback is definitely appreciated. And of course, make sure you go to DelahantyMedia.com for all the latest news and updates regarding our brand. At the end of today's show, I do have a special announcement that I would like to make on air regarding the state of the Delahanty Media brand. So make sure you stay tuned for that. That is some very, very exciting news to bring to all of you. You know, to kind of brighten up your mood after listening to me talk about how bad the New York Yankees have been recently. Let's start off with the Twin Series. Yankees had an off day on Monday. They go into Minnesota for a three-game set. Getting the Twins at a really good time, especially given that they've been struggling. They were currently fourth place in the American League Central at the time of the series. Just hasn't been their year either. But the Yankees go in knowing that they have to win this series because, let's face it, it hasn't been the Yankees' season at all as well. Jordan Montgomery goes to the mound. He was solid, allowed three runs over five and two-thirds innings of work. He ends up not getting into the deciding factor here, but we'll get more into that in just a bit. Yankees face former friend Michael Pineda. Could not get out of the fifth inning. Yankees started to get to him later on in that start. He only allowed four hits, two earned runs, walked two, struck out two. Was limited to just 76 pitches. Rocco Baldelli, the Twins manager, elected to go to the pen before more damage could be done. It ended up paying off because the bullpen did a solid job over the next couple of innings. But let's kind of go through the scoring. Yankees go down right away. Bottom half of the first. Jeffers hits a double to left, scoring two. It was 2-0 Twins until we get to the fifth inning. That fifth inning, that Pineda started to struggle a little bit. Aaron Judge had a great at-bat, worked a walk, cut the lead to 2-1. Brett Gardner followed up by scoring on a wild pitch. That ended up tying the game. Fast forward an an inning later, top half of the sixth. Sack fly from Gardner, scored Sanchez. Yankees take a 3-2 lead. That lead would not last long, and in the bottom half of the sixth inning, Former Yankee Rob Refsnyder hit a double to deep center field, and that tied up your ball game. To the eighth inning we go. Game still tied up at three. Yankees score another run on a DJ LeMay Hugh Fielder's choice, and then you had some guys advance on a throwing error by Polanco. That was followed up by another Fielder's choice, this one off the bat of Judge, and you had Andujar scoring on an error, made it 5-3 Yankees. Top of the ninth. 
Yankees got two home runs, one from Gary Sanchez and one off the bat of Miguel Andujar. 449 feet, the longest homer of Andujar's big league career. That would give the Yankees an 8-3 lead. The Twins would score a run in the ninth inning, but that is all they got. 8-4 is your final. Yankees take the first game of this series, the first of seven meetings between these teams this year. Offensively, Yankees mustered up 14 hits. One thing that was very impressive, only struck out five times as a team. Like I said, they had the eight runs. You had a couple of guys with multi-hits. LeMahieu with two hits. Gleyber Torres with two hits. Stanton has two hits. Gary Sanchez, another two-hit game. And then Miguel Andujar, one of the standout performers as of late, was two for four with three runs scored. Yankees got contributions from pretty much the entire lineup. You got an 0 for out of Judge. And then, essentially... The rest of the starting lineup got a hit in this one. So a nice way to start the series. You know, when you're playing teams that are struggling, you really have to take advantage, and that's what the Yankees were able to do in this one. 8-4 is your final. Let's fast forward to game two. Garrett Cole on the mound. A lot of talk around Cole after a interview regarding all the illegal substances that pitchers are using. Josh Donaldson calls out the Yankees' star pitcher and says, you know, Cole's spin rate's down, basically using him as the scapegoat for everything. Now, I know Josh Donaldson's probably not a, a dumb guy, and I'm sure he's been told this, but pretty much 90 to 95% of all pitchers are using at least some kind of substance on the mound. You know, they try to get a competitive advantage, and Major League Baseball's starting to crack down on it, and I understand why, but, you know, to single out one guy made no sense. And they have the old saying, don't poke the bear. Well, Donaldson poked the bear, and it really didn't pay off for the Twins. Cole goes six innings, allows just two runs on five hits, struck out nine, allowed two home runs. That was the only damage that came against Cole in the ballgame. Donaldson struggled, struck out twice against Cole. You saw a little tip of the cap, which I absolutely loved. And the Yankees' offense got him a lead nice and early in this one where he could work comfortably. Top of the first, before Cole even took the mound, Aaron Judge hit a homer to left field. one nothing Yanks. Top of the second, you get a Gardner RBI double, scoring Higashioka. And then in the top half of the third, you get a Giancarlo Stanton moonshot, a three-run shot, made it 5-1 Yankees. Jorge Polanco hit a homer for the Twins in the bottom half of the third, cut the lead to 5-1. Then Giancarlo Stanton again. Another home run for him. This one, a two-run shot, 7-1 Yankees. That was followed up by another Miguel Andujar homer, 8-1 at that rate. The Twins add a run in the bottom of the fifth. If we fast forward to the top of the seventh, you get an Andujar sack fly, scoring one, makes it 9-2 Yankees. Things got a little bit interesting in the ninth. Uh, Brooks Kriske could not figure it out, allowed four runs. Twins were able to cut the Yankees' lead to 9-6, but that's as close as they would get, and that is your final. We talked about Cole's good performance. Other than the two home runs, you know, he was really solid. Luis Sessa came in for two strong innings of work. He's been really good at the Yankees' bullpen. He gives them length. He gives them durability. He's been effective. You know, a lot of good things to say about what Luis Sessa has done so far this year. And we mentioned Kriske. He was terrible. Allowed four hits, four runs. Really cut the game close. Aroldis Chapman had to warm up in this one. But nonetheless, he was not needed. Luckily, he was not needed in this one. Yankees, once again, had a lot of hits. 15 to be exact 
Only struck out four times, but hitting with runners in scoring position, still an issue for them. One for eight with guys in, run in scoring position, left eight guys on base total. Still got to clean that up, but nonetheless, they put up nine runs. It was a good day at the ballpark for the Yankees. Standout performers after his offer in game one. Judge had two hits and two runs scored. You had the monster day from Giancarlo Stanton. Three hits, two home runs, five RBIs. You had two hits from Urshela. Another two hits from Andujar. We mentioned the homer earlier. Higashioka catching for his personal starter, Garrett Cole, had two hits. And Brett Gardner in the nine hole had three hits in four at-bats. So the Yankees got contributions once again from a lot of guys in the lineup. Something we haven't really seen much throughout the year. And the Yankees secure at least a series victory heading into Game 3. Now, in Game 2, we saw the Twins have an offensive outburst in the ninth inning, scoring four runs off Brooke Kriske. Now, in this game, the Yankees had a lead once again. But this time, turned to their closer, Aurora Chapman, who could not get the job done. Before we get to that point, let's take you through the game, shall we? Yankees send Michael King to the mound. Twins send J.A. Happ. We all remember J.A. Happ. He got the start for the Twins. Here's your scoring plays. Top of the first, Giancarlo Stanton continues to hit home runs. This one to center field gives the Yankees a quick 3-0 lead. I love this because, you know, beat up on Happ a little bit. In the bottom half of the first, the Twins get one back on a sack fly from Nelson Cruz. A few innings later in the top of the fourth, Yankees respond with a Gio Urshela home run. Makes it 4-1 Yanks. Twins once again battle back, cut the lead to 4-2 on a Simmons double. The Yankees add another run on a DJ LeMahieu single in the top of the sixth. Makes it 5-2 Yanks. A Nelson Cruz double in the seventh would cut the Yankees lead to 5-3. And that lead would hold until we get to the ninth inning. Aroldis Chapman, who has been lights out this year. Absolutely lights out. Only threw nine pitches in this outing. And if you would think about the situation, comes in first save, only threw nine pitches. You would think Chapman had a really easy inning. Wrong. Chapman does not even record an out. He doesn't even record an out. Allows four hits, four earned runs. He allowed two home runs, both two-run homer variety. First, it was Garrett Cole's friend Josh Donaldson tied the game with a two-run homer to left center, and then Nelson Cruz, who we mentioned a little earlier, homer to center field, an absolute moonshot, 457 feet off the bat, and the Yankees lose 7-5. So going into the ninth, very promising. You're thinking, okay, the Yankees have the sweep. Chapman's going to close the door. This is a great momentum boost as the Yankees head into their next series. Well, the Twins had other plans. Chapman was not effective. Remember, he did not pitch in a live game for a couple of days. He pitched, you know, he had three or four days off. He just was not sharp. And the Twins had his number. I don't know if he was tipping pitches or just not, in, just not effective. But nonetheless, Yankees lose a rather heartbreaker as they leave Minnesota to head to Philadelphia. So, very disappointing way to end the series, especially given how well the Yankees' offense was able to put up runs. We haven't seen much of that. We know the Twins' pitching has not been great, so it's not really a way to measure if they're back or not. But they had 10-plus hits in each game, scored at least five runs in each contest. Strikeouts were very limited. 
in Game 3 alone, if you take Stanton's three strikeouts out of the equation, the Yankees only struck out twice more as a team. And yes, hitting with runners in scoring position has not been their forte, but they've been able to get a lead and do enough to win the games over this series, and unfortunately, Chapman just simply did not have it. Michael King, the Yankee starter, pitches into the fourth. He allowed two runs. Then the Yankees' bullpen had to come in and eat some innings. You got two-thirds out of Licky. You got an inning and two-thirds out of Loisica. Both did not allow a run. Peralta struggled a bit, allowed a run in his two-thirds innings of work. And then you got an inning and a third of strong pitching from Chad Green before they turned the ball over to Chapman. So in most cases, if you're looking at that recipe, you're, you're signing up for it. Especially with King on the mound, you knew that he wasn't going to be extended much. Yankees bullpen held the lead, and you expect Chapman to save the game. But it did not happen in this one. Yankees end up taking 203 from Minnesota as they transition to the National League for a two-game set with the Philadelphia Phillies. Before I start breaking down the Phillies series, I just want to say that I don't understand how people in the National League or fans of the National League still embrace having no DH. First and foremost, it completely depletes your bench. And the Yankees saw that in game one of this series, especially given that they had to use guys to pinch hit and other situations arise. But in reality, yes, I know Giancarlo Stanton strikes out a lot. But wouldn't you rather see guys like him swinging a bat three to four times a game than seeing your pitcher just stand there and try to bunt and really look bad? It just doesn't make sense to me. And I wish that they would get rid of the pitchers hitting in the National League. We want more offense. We keep crying about everything the pitchers are doing, but yet we won't help the offense by adding the DH in the National League. That just makes no sense to me. But regardless, speaking of pitching, the Yankees got none of that from the starting pitching this weekend. Very frustrating to say the least. Jamison Tyone, who's been absolutely terrible, he doesn't even get out of the first inning, records one out, allows four runs. Yankees down 4 nothing before they even get to bat for a second time. Then, at that point, got to go to the bullpen. Luckily, the Yankees had an off day between these series because if they didn't, they would have been in a load of trouble. You got a rather strong outing from Cortez. He went three and two-thirds, allowed just one run, struck out six. Luis Sessa did not have it. He allowed two runs, but then you got... Two scoreless innings from Peralta and Britton, who returned prior to this game. Yankees designated Mike Ford for assignment to clear the roster space, or the 40-man roster space. And then you got two strong innings out of Green. Chapman came in. But before we get to Chapman, I want to talk about the game a little bit more. So let's take you through the scoring. We're not even going to go through the first inning. You guys know we don't want to relive the Philly side of it. Yankees cut the lead to 4-2 to in the second inning. You get a Gary Sanchez homer to left center field, followed by a Brett Gardner triple. At that point, it was 4-2. In the fourth and fifth innings, the Phillies add a run each. It was 6-2 at that point. Then Ronald Torres, another former Yankee, seems like a trend here, hits a double down the line, scores another run, and at that point, it's 7-2, and it feels like the game is slowly getting out of reach. But the Yankees battle back. Top of the sixth, Runet Odor hits a home run to right field, cuts the lead to 7-3. Top of the eighth, get an RBI single from Sanchez, cuts it to 7-4. In the top of the ninth, against Hector Neris, DJ LeMay, who comes up clutch, hits a home run to left field, tying the ball game up at seventh. 
The Yankees were unable to score in the top half of the 10th. That extra inning rule that we cannot stand. The Yankees had trouble putting the ball in play. Could not muster up a run. And in the bottom half of the 10th inning, a Gene Segura infield single down the line to third base. Scored Torres and that's your ball game 8-7. So it went from disappointing with Jamison Tyone, right, to somewhat not as disappointing with Cortez. Then you saw the Yankees creep back in and you're saying, man, this team is showing fight. How great is this? Then it goes back to disappointing. And for the second straight game, Chapman picks up a loss. This one really not on his, you know, record. The run is unearned because they put the runner at second base. It's still a rule that I wish they would put later in the game. I just don't think that it's fair to either team to do it right away. I understand they're trying to save pitching, but let them try to play real baseball before you get to that point. There's no need to rush it right after the ninth inning. You know, make it a 12th inning rule. If you can't score within the next two innings, then the 12th inning you put the runner on base. Don't rob teams of that opportunity because it does make an impact in the game and force these teams to actually score runs. You know, why are we changing the game at this rate? Let's look at some of the Yankees' offensive performers, standouts. LeMahieu, two for three with the home run. Yankees really need him to get back on track. He's had a bunch of multi-hit games, but he's just not hitting the way that we know DJ LeMahieu is known to hit. Recently, he's been a lot better, but still, it's not the level that the Yankees signed him to that long extension during the offseason for. He got two hits out of Gary Sanchez. He's been swinging the bat well of late. And then two hits out of Odor. You got another two hits out of Gardner as well. Yankees muster up 10 hits, but did strike out 11 times. Did have their fair share of struggles trying to put the ball in play. Disappointing, especially given the Yankees are coming off that heartbreaking loss in Minnesota where, you know, that game was in reach. It was quickly in their realm, didn't take advantage of it. Fast forward to game two. This was a Sunday afternoon game, and for your sake, I hope that none of you tuned into this game because it was utterly pathetic. Once again, Yankee starting pitching gets lit up. Domingo Herman. Doesn't get out of the fifth inning. Allows 10 hits, 7 runs. Only struck out 2 batters. Herman, who was among the league's, or the I should say the American League best, in multiple statistical categories coming in, really gets roughed up. And the Yankees really don't respond. As the offense was completely cold, did not do anything. And after Herman got roughed up, there was nothing that they could do to catch up. 7-0 is your final. I'm not taking you through the scoring plays for the Phillies. No need. All you need to know, DJ LeMahieu led off the game with a single. Yankees took a couple innings to finally get back in the hit column. They had four hits total. Two off the bat of LeMahieu. One hit from Torres. One hit from Odor. They were 1-2-3 and three in the lineup. The rest of the lineup did absolutely nothing. Very disappointing. Very frustrating. Especially given... When you look at the lineup, no Aaron Judge due to back spasms. No Giancarlo Stanton because of the DH rule. He didn't even get a pinch hitting opportunity in this one. You know, one of the Yankees going to try him in the field. If, if they were to eventually get back on track and make it to the World Series, you mean to tell me that Stanton's not going to play in the National League ballpark? That just makes no sense to me. But it is what it is. Yankees get swept in Philadelphia. They have two more games with the Phillies. 
in July at the stadium. I'm sure Joe Girardi is beyond ecstatic to not only beat his former team, but to put them in a position where they're really starting to question their identity as a club. After this series, Yankees are 33-32, and 8.5 out of the division, 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They've been horrible. You know, I always say this, and, and my friends laugh at me, and I'm sure that, you know, I'm getting, I'm overreacting a little bit. But they, there are people out there that say that there are spoiled Yankees fans, right? That there are fans that don't know how to lose. Think about my position. I was born in 1993. I'm 28 years old. My whole childhood, essentially the Yankees were either in the World Series or went deep into the postseason. So to see them losing and struggling is not something that I'm fond of. Because, you know, I grew up and that's all I knew. This team, in all my years watching baseball, is the hardest team to watch. I sit there. And I feel like they are going through the motions. There is no fire. There is no passion. There is nobody on the field that is encouraging these guys. I just think that it is time for a change. This roster is way too talented. Even with the guys who are hurt. This roster is way too talented for them to be one game over 500 and in fourth place in the American League East Division. And who's to blame? Do you blame the front office for not wanting to go over the luxury tax? Maybe adding a piece or two that could really be essential to helping this team get back on track. Do you blame the guy in the dugout who I'm starting to think doesn't have much longer as this team's manager if this keeps up? Do you blame him for not getting the life out of these guys? Do you blame the players? Maybe their lackluster efforts or because their manager's not encouraging them. I I don't know. But I will tell you this. At this point in time, the Yankees really need to consider being sellers. And yeah, you may say, what do you have to sell? You don't have many guys on one-year contracts. But what you do have are Roldis Chapman, Zach Britton, quality relievers, kind of like they did back in 2016 at the deadline, helping contenders with an elite back end of the bullpen guy and bringing back some pieces to rebuild on the fly. Would it hurt to explore it? Absolutely not. The only player that I would deem untouchable right now, and of course this could change before the deadline, is Aaron Judge. The way he's playing, he's really the only Yankee that's been a bright spot so far this year. So I wouldn't trade Judge, but I would consider everything else You know, you got Miguel Andujar playing really well in left field. He's hitting the ball. He's proving that he could be a commodity for teams. Maybe somebody needs outfield help and you could get something for him if you don't think he's your long-term solution in left field. Clint Frazier, a guy who I love. You guys know that. But they're stifling his growth by not letting him play. You mean to tell me he can't play center field? With all the Yankee struggles in, in the outfield, you mean to tell me they can't try it? You're not going to get him to hit unless he's playing every day. That's what the Yankees don't understand. You continue to play Brett Gardner, and although he's been better as of late, he's 37 years old. His future with the team is very limited. This should be his last year as a Yankee. 
But knowing them, they'll bring him back and they'll continue this trend because, you know, why not? It's just frustrating beyond belief. But nobody should be untouchable. Yeah, maybe Cole and Stanton, obviously, because, you know, nobody's taking that atrocious contract. But at the end of the day, things have to change. And at one point, does the front office say, you know what, this isn't working, we're going to make that change? I'm truly scared that if this continues, we're going to see Aaron Boone as the manager. The history of the franchise seems to dictate that they won't make a change during the season. And that scares me. Because the longer you let the problem linger, and if Boone is the problem, it's not going to help this franchise in the long haul. I'm demanding change. Yankees fans are demanding change. This team needs a spark. This team needs some fire. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think the guy in the manager seat is the right guy for the job. And I'm at that point where I'm just waiting for the notification to come in to say that the Yankees are making a change because I think that inevitably it's going to happen. Another bad injury update for the Yankees before we kind of wrap up today's show. Luis Severino was hurt. It seems like he hurt his groin in his rehab start. It did not look pretty. Yankees are taking him for some testing. Now this is probably a setback that pushes him deeper into the season and definitely not good for the Yankees, especially given that they could definitely use a guy like Severino in their rotation given the Kluber injury, the Tyone struggles. They could definitely use the depth. But it's been ugly. It hasn't been fun. And the Yankees are now getting a team in the Toronto Blue Jays that has been playing good baseball. They just beat up on the Red Sox this weekend. They've been hitting the cover off the ball. How's this Yankees team going to respond? And if you're going off of recent history, they're not going to respond very well. But, however, we are going to stay optimistic. We're going to hope they could, they could turn it around and that the Yankees will be back in contention before you know it. Before we wrap up today's show, and you guys know that I am the owner of Delahanty Media, I do have a special announcement that I would like to make. The Delahanty Media brand is proud to announce the addition of yet another show to our channel, to our brand. Yes, I told you on our last show, Mr. Jared Orlick will be doing the Finway Focus podcast. If For those of you who want to talk about a team that's actually in contention now, you can go listen to that. But we are now adding the first ever football podcast to our brand. All about America's team. If the name didn't give it away, I'm going to tell you. It's a podcast that is focused on the Dallas Cowboys. I have two up-and-coming host for this show. I'm very excited to have them aboard. Owen DeChico and Ray Nickens, two diehard Cowboys fans. They got a lot of insight, and they have a lot of passion for this. So if you're into the Cowboys, if you're into football, if you're anxious for the start of the season, check out their podcast. I promise you, they will not disappoint. Their first show is out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This is a great duo, and I expect really big things from them. So on behalf of myself and the Delahanty Media brand, I just want to take a moment to welcome them aboard, and I wish them the best of luck as we embark on this journey together. I know that's going to be a great ride. So a little homework for you guys. Subscribe to their show, and then, of course, while you're listening to ours, subscribe to ours as you guys already know the drill. 
That's going to wrap up today's show. Hoping that we have a better outcome after the Blue Jays series for you. However, we're just here to talk and complain when things go wrong. Of course, my name is Nick Dallahanty, and I'm the host of the Pinstripe Talk podcast. And whether the Yankees are playing really good or really bad, I love being here talking Yankees baseball with all of you. We thank you all for listening in, and we hope that you enjoyed today's show. Be on the lookout for some more content as the week goes on. And of course, remember, through thick and thin, let's go Yankees. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you really soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.